Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you today by the Western Growers Association, supporting growers that grow the best medicine in the world. Find out more at WGA.com. Now here's your Voices of the Valley host, Director of Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology, Dennis Donahue. Good morning. This is uh, Dennis Donahue. I am the uh, Director of Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology, and welcome um, back for another edition of Voices of the Valley with our new format and uh, my delightful co-host, Candace Wilson. Candace. Hi, everybody, and we're excited to be here today where we're kicking off the first module that we introduced to you all last week. We're starting with On the Farm, and today we have two really important guests. We promised that we would bring out, bring some, some experts into the conversation. So today, as we lean into the automation efforts, we have both Walt and Neil here. And I would love it if Walt and Neil could introduce themselves and provide a little bit of background to the audience. Okay. Thanks, Candice. Uh, glad to be here as well. Looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm Walt Duflock. I'm the VP of Innovation at Western Growers. And uh, a little bit about my background. I'm a fifth-generation family farmer from Monterey County. We do specialty crops, wine grapes, and cattle, uh, 300-head uh, cow-calf operation. And I've got 30 years of experience in Silicon Valley at startups. Uh, eBay is the one most of you have heard of, a couple others that, uh, that got acquired. And then the last five or so years in ag tech as those two worlds came together, um, including some time at the Thrive Accelerator, building that up. And my charter at Western Growers is really two things. Let's focus on fixing harvest with automation, and let's focus on fixing food safety with detection and prevention tools. And Neil, how about you? All right. Well, I'm Neil Callis. I'm with Turlock Fruit Company. I'm part of the family management team here. We're a 103-year-old melon farming operation. We currently farm about 4,500 acres in Fresno and Merced counties. And we also farm, in addition to honeydews, cantaloupes, and mixed melons, we farm asparagus. Uh, that's one of the things I spend a lot of time on. And we also farm tomatoes and almonds or almonds, as I'm told they should be pronounced now that I'm part of the family business. I uh, joined the company in 2013, after a 17-year career as a project manager, systems engineer, IT management person over uh, for the University Space Research Association, also in the Bay Area, and uh, you know, really latched onto the opportunity to come be a part of the automation initiative. Because once I got here, I realized everything we do is handpicked and handcut, and there's just a lot of challenges there. So yeah, I'm really excited about what we're doing here, and I'm also on the board of uh, Western Growers. Uh, this is my second term. So, you know, Neil, with that statewide perspective, being on the board of Western Growers, do you know where the exact line is where you switch from almonds to almonds, you know, tomato, tomato? I mean, you know, because it isn't the same up and down the state. So I think you're right on the bubble. Yeah, no, Modesto is, is where I sort of uh, draw the line in my own mind. But uh, you find outliers everywhere. <laughs> well, so. there you go. So, Candace, this is really one of the exciting <laughs> things about having you as a co-host. We are now breaking news. It, the Modesto is is the uh, is the dividing line on on a big question in California agriculture. So, and uh, Walt, you know the uh, the fact you're here. You know, one of my earlier guests was Hank Gickless, and he retired, but he needed to be replaced by two people. But 
you know, more significantly, you know, your your new role really speaks to uh, Western growers expanded commitment to innovation and working more strategically along with, you know, the kind of the general innovation space. And so with that in mind and picking up on Candace's introduction, you know, one of the big issues on, on farm these days is, you know, the whole discussion around automation and, uh, you know, how's the, how's the industry dealing with that? And, uh, you know, you're involved as is Neil and the truth of the matter is all four of us have a little history on, on this particular issue of automation and working more strategically. So talk about the, the initiative uh, that you recently launched in Tulare and uh, is really making great progress so, and, and, re- and really reflects this, the critical importance of we have to work strategically on certain things. Right. Well, and how appropriate you would mention Hank, right? Because this this is the continuation of efforts that started back in May of 2019 with you and Hank and a cast of of dozens aimed at and really solving this problem. And so I think it does. It shows a big ongoing commitment to innovation um, from Western growers. And it's just a recognition that the the board members have made it clear that labor is a big challenge in getting bigger. And, you know, as you and I talk about often, there's a general consensus that the way we've been solving innovation up to this point has not worked because we've got all this money invested and all these individual growers have tried things and some of the groups have tried things and people have invested in individual startups and yet not very much is harvested um, automatically via robots. A lot of it still is, as Neil will tell you, manual in many, in many food categories. So I think, with the initiative that we launched into Larry, the real challenge was to build a platform that could be reused because when a startup gets investment and doesn't make it, all of that IP, all that investment just goes up in smoke, right? And by building a platform, we're able to help reuse all the components along the way and really build some Lego blocks um, for the startups. So that was one of the keys was to try and support the group of startups collectively instead of individual startups, both financially field trials, mentor capabilities, all of that stuff. So at a high level, that's the bet is by working with a number of innovators and a number of cohort players and helping them plug into a platform, we can speed everybody up and hopefully reduce the fail rate of these startups. And well, you know, when you think back on your time at Thrive and some of the other um, startups and initiatives that you've been a part of, are there any um, great success stories or wins there that you can really apply some of these learnings to? I guess the direct question is more the reasons to believe kind of, is there a copy paste model that we can really start to mimic? You know, Candice, it's exactly the right question. And I, I think there is. And I think the learning at a high level is this. The more I worked with and it, it wasn't just robots, it was true of other ag tech categories, but the more I worked with the Thrive portfolio and I mentored and worked with others, uh, did some work with the plug and play accelerator, done a little bit of work with the uh, Terraton Challenge folks, the Indigo folks. The more I work with the startups, the more I realized, and particularly in the case of, of this harvest automation segment, it, people think it's all about the robot. And let me tell you, it's not all about the robot from the grower's perspective. And I'd love to get Neil's thoughts on this one because what I see is a situation where maybe a third of it is the robot, right? And we can build great robots. We can get robots that go up and down the rows and see stuff and pick stuff and, and then what, right? And the, the then what part is actually the two thirds of the problem. And this, this was the learning from a lot of the Thrive interactions, a lot of startup interactions and the accelerator conversations ongoing. 
if one third of it's the robot, the other two thirds of it is how do I get it out to someone like Neil or Neil's operators in a way that financially works for the grower and for the channel partner that probably sells it to the grower if the startup is smart? And how do I get it out there in a way that gives that grower confidence that if it's Sunday at two o'clock and I need to see somebody at four o'clock, that's going to happen. And how do I give them a confidence level that that startup that, that does this great field trial in February is going to be around next February, right? So I would argue the learning is, and this is the copy paste that we're trying to use, is let's not just help them with the tech stack with a bunch of Lego blocks to plug into. Let's help them with some really good early conversations around the business of growing an ag tech startup, not just building the robots. So we're very focused on that. Neil, that really speaks directly to, you know, what what does adoption look like? What does success look like? And, you know, you've certainly had a lot, a lot of folks knocking on your door and, you know, and unsuspecting as they may be, as there's a former project manager from NASA, you know, who really can look at technology and evaluate these things. You know, to Walt's point, what does adoption look like? What does it take to, you know, get the ball across the finish line? Because a lot of folks have knocked on your door. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that the the first is that it's got to be economically viable. You know, that's that's the biggest piece of it. And what's changed in the time I've been at Turlock Fruit Company is, I mean, very basically minimum wage has gone from eight bucks an hour to 14 bucks an hour and it's headed to 15. And alongside that challenge is the simple availability of labor. We're very fortunate that we have a pretty high percentage of return to work employees that come and that they go to Salinas, they're seasonal, they go down to Imperial, they come back and work for us. But we're already bracing for the likelihood of having to engage with H2A. And so really where what success looks like in terms of adoption is when it's an even trade on, on the cost side of things. And it never really is going to be truly even, but the point at which it's either too expensive or too difficult to get labor, you have to replace it with something else. And, and that really is how I've always characterized, you know, what the automation initiative is about is we've got an eight to 10 year glide slope before labor is either unavailable or simply too expensive at current commodity prices. That's, that's the reality. What's been your thinking about this idea of, of a, an acceleration platform? You know, because my view ha- has been, we no longer have the luxury of the marketplace setting up randomly. We need to be intentional and specialty crops have their own challenges in terms of complexity and attracting the uh, attention of, you know, the big players in, in the equipment space or the VCs. So having been around this, do you like the idea of, you know, aggregating the marketplace and, you know, and is this the right strategy in your mind to, Hey, we've got to cut this, whatever, however long it's going to take, we got to cut it in half and speed it up. And then Candace, you know, the, the follow-up question in my mind, you know, you've been involved in this initiative from day one, you know, with your alma mater Bayer and, and the role of agronomics and how does that tie into that as well? But, you know, Neil, you know, because you've been at the table at day one as well and, you know, and you've stayed with it. So you must like the approach. I love the approach. And, and I think that the, the, to me, where this, where this is really the, the, you know, the tech stack is a force multiplier, in my opinion, because if you take any given commodity and try and create a custom solution, let's say it's asparagus, there's only 3,000 acres of asparagus left in California, maybe less, maybe closer to 2,000. 600 of it run through the shed just outside my office here. 
no startup is going to be interested in a custom ground up solution for harvesting asparagus mechanically because the market just isn't big enough to support it. Even for Turlock fruit, it's a secondary crop, right? It's, it's not our main revenue generator. It's only 8% of our overall acreage. So how do you get a startup in, you know, interested in solving our problem? By solving 60% of the problem up front with a tech stack, right? For providing a common architecture where those guys can innovate on the last mile, if you will, on that last most difficult piece, getting the, the piece of, of, of asparagus, you know, cut and picked up and in a tray or something. So I'm, I am a big fan of it. I, I, you know, I think it's the only way forward because even if you think about the forces, you know, sort of expanding your, your field of view and imagining the market forces that have pushed asparagus out of California. Okay. So our rising labor costs, uh, we've gone from a peak of 40,000 acres of asparagus in 1979 to whatever it is today, 2000. All of that production has shifted to Mexico. So the point largely is the Mexican growers are not going to adopt the same expensive robotic or mechanical technology that we need to in the future. They'll be 10 years behind us, but there will be a market. There will be a market in Mexico for that kind of automation because those guys are not going to have labor prices and availability in the future as they are today. Things are going to change. And Candace, you you jumped in from day one uh, representing uh, representing Bayer and and have stayed engaged with uh, with Green Green Venus because of you know all of the agronomic issues uh, that potentially you know rise to the top in dealing with this issue as as well. What's been your perspective on all this? Yeah, so I think I, I first just want to go back to some of what Neil and, and what we're both saying, and that is around this whole idea of the difference between or the unique approach that specialty crops might require. And, you know, at Bayer, it kind of felt similarly similar. There's some parallels when you look at the Bayer business, the row crops compared to vegetables always got all the big, exciting funding and stuff. There were tons of acres. There were quick, faster returns. There was, you know, and it's very similar when you think about how everybody else is investing in their businesses. The specialty market is more fragmented. And it also leaves this really nice opportunity because the big guys are focused on some of the bigger crops and bigger market opportunities. You leave room for startups now to come in and disrupt the market in a different kind of way. And I think that's a really um, important reason that supports Western growers initiative and focus here because Western growers, nobody else knows the markets and the growers and the unique situations and challenges that they're facing on the farm. So to have somebody like Western growers come in and help facilitate all of these startups and aligning the ducks um, so, you know, so we can all be marching in the same direction, I think is a really powerful approach. And I think there's a, there's a time component here too, right? Like we, Neil talked about the rising costs of minimum wage. We don't have the freedom to wait. And so I think, again, when Western growers can convene everybody together, then we're going to be more powerful as one united team. Um, and lastly, Dennis, you talk about agronomics. The significance of time is that this project doesn't just start with, or doesn't just, yeah, it doesn't begin with a sexy robot. Everybody gets excited hearing about the robots. But the fact is, if you go all the way back to the seed and the genetics and engineering of, you know, every all the agronomic package that the grower needs to be successful, 
you're talking about a five to seven year time frame to get the plant architecture to where it may need to be. And that, that isn't going to need be necessary for all crops, but I think it's an important realization that we're not talking about, you know, you can't just flip the switch and magic happens on the farm. You really need a holistic approach and a realistic time frame. So Walt, with all, with all of that, and, you know, you running the trap line on, you know, this holistic approach, aggregating platforms, how's it going? You know, I think we're off to a good start. And all of the comments that Neil and, and Candace made are exactly right. And they've been there from the start. Um, I think right now where we're at as a real time update is we're sitting near middle of May and we've got the group of subject matter experts, you know, the dream team, as we call them for harvest automation engaged. And they're doing some great work on two fronts. They're looking at grower economics for harvest by crop type for a couple of key crops. And they're looking at what interfaces should we help these startups build? Do they want to interface with a John Deere tractor, an Agco tractor? Do they want to integrate with a Bosch sensor, a, a Trimble GPS unit, stuff like that? So the startups in our cohort are helping us get educated on what their priorities are. And then the subject matter experts that are building this Lego block uh, tech stack environment, they're then going ahead and saying, okay, great, we'll, uh, we'll build those interfaces out. So those are happening. We'll roll the first version of the Lego blocks out in the July timeframe. And then we'll put the systems integration work in to get those startups and the innovators working with it in the uh, late summer, early fall. And in parallel path, we've got the impact analysis um, that really tells the growers, this is the second part of it, Dennis. Um, let's help the growers understand how we're doing. Because here we are, we're sitting on, you know, a hundred million plus in venture investment, a bunch of startups, like I said earlier, and not much has happened. And we haven't done a great job of looking back. So we're going to look back and tell the industry, hey, for 2021, here's the snapshot. We're in for this many startups and we got this much stuff harvested by robots. We'll put that marker down and here are the startups that are doing the work, good, better, best, right? And then once a year, we'll update that snapshot again. So we've got a partner we're working with and we'll start that process the back half of the year. But really, I think sitting here in May, I'm pretty happy with the progress since Tulare. The SMEs are engaged in building, the startups are giving feedback, and the firm we're engaged with is working on that impact report for the growers with grower metrics being the focus and the right startups that are moving down the field. And you know, Walt, and, and as I've often lamely joked in the past, it took me a long time to figure out LOL, IOT. Everybody might not know SME. So you want to uh, explain that to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty of acronym crime. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Subject matter expert. And this group of subject matter experts really crosses the discipline from ag to tech to ag tech. You know, we've got folks from Trimble, folks from Bosch. We've got Oxbow involved, Spudnik involved, Ramsey Highlander involved. We've got a Driscoll's representative on the group. Neil Callis is, uh, is part of the group, we're proud to say. The Milano Technical Group, Dominic's and Shomo and his team are on there. Uh, Church Brothers, Grimway Farms is on here. So really, it's, it's best in class ag expertise, but ag expertise that knows tech. It's best in class tech expertise with some of the folks I mentioned and it's best in class ag tech. I mean, these are folks that have put decades into building this stuff, trialing this stuff, evolving this stuff. And um, it really has been fun to watch them in about six weeks come together as a pretty productive group. And um, 
I'm, I'm happy with the output so far, and I'm really looking forward to what they can come up with by July. I got to say, too, you know, I, I, I'm really impressed with the horsepower in the group. And uh, it, there, there have been a couple of our meetings where I didn't have a lot to say, but I did a lot of listening. And uh, it's a, you, you know, you've put together a great group of SMEs, no question. And, you know, yeah, me too. I listen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you look at uh, that, that list of names and those big companies, big global companies. Um, I think it's also important just to recognize that, that while Western growers has a focus on their states and serving their immediate members, you guys have to step back and kind of take an approach on having a global conversation. I think that's, that's important. Can Dennis, maybe, um, maybe you want to shed some light on how we arrived at that place. Well, no, and that, and, and that's a great point because, you know, you heard Walt, uh, allude to the, the startups. And one of the things we have done over the past, uh, year in particular is, you know, more formally engaged with some of the key startup, you know, ag tech areas in the world, whether it's New Zealand, Israel, the Dutch, uh, the UK, that type of thing. And, and whether it's either just through building relationships through the startup community or formal memorandums of understanding, this is a global initiative. And so when we surveyed all of us together, the, the landscape, who's out there, specifically focused on fresh field harvest automation or in position to do that. It was interesting, Walt, when you kind of came up with, uh, you know, the final list of the group uh, that, you know, currently working with getting ready to announce, uh, you know, if I, if memory serves, I think there's three British companies, one from Israel, uh, one from Australia, one from New Zealand, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of the, uh, American companies. And so to your point, Candace, this is a global uh, initiative in every sense of the word. And one of the things you learn, this is a global conversation in terms of labor shortage and labor challenges, you know, to Neil's comment. So those global relationships have really served us well, because very, very frankly, without them, I, I think as it comes to field harvest automation, it's still early in the game. So th thankfully, we're able to reach out to the entire planet. Awesome. I, I think, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a grower listening into the podcast, I'm, I'm probably asking myself, wondering, when will be my turn? My crops? What's the timeline for, you know, grapes versus asparagus? Neil or Walt, can you kind of talk about the prioritization of our efforts and um, kind of the process that we've gone through to arrive at that? Well, I, I can, yeah, since we mentioned asparagus and, and I'll also, you know, we'll talk about melons, I'll offer kind of the counter argument before Walt gives the affirmative argument for, for what we chose. You know, the, the reality is if you take, um, you take the cantaloupe industry, uh, you take the melon industry, you take the asparagus industry in whatever state it is, the market capitalization in the Western US isn't sufficient to interest a startup in those things. The other reason that I'm such a huge fan of the common tech stack approach, the modularized approach to solving these problems is we will benefit down the road from the hardening and demonstrating of all these technologies once they get in the field for the other crops that we've chosen. But it, it, it is a rising tide. It's going gonna, it's gonna to touch everybody at some point in the next decade, I think. And it's not, um, the point is, it's not going to be the small market cap commodities 
that drive the innovation up front and drive the, the commonization of this platform, right? It, it's going to be the bigger crops, but the smaller specialty crops are all going to benefit. I firmly believe in that. I wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. Well, thanks again, Walt and Neil. We appreciate you being here with us today, and we're very much looking forward to the next episode on picking up on this important conversation around automation. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley podcast, brought to you today by Western Growers Association, supporting producers that grow the best medicine in the world. Find out more at WGA.com.